Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore the central role design plays in our everyday lives and how, if harnessed correctly, has the power to positively transform the way that we live, design better businesses and sustainable solutions for the planet. We speak to creative entrepreneurs around the world about how they inspire their ideas to life and how they make it all work and the role design plays in their lives. I'm your host, founder of Frost Collective and author of Design Your Life, Vince Frost. At Frost Collective, our specialist place and environments teams work globally with architects, developers, cities, corporations, and governments, delivering successful human-centered solutions across place visioning, property branding, and strategic wayfinding and signage. To find out more, head to frostcollective.com.au. Welcome to this week's episode of Design Your Life from Lego to Skyscrapers. Today I'll be catching up with the founder, Ben Van Berkel, and Associate Director Sander Vassalos of the globally acclaimed architectural firm UN Studio. Tune in as we chat about Ben's journey from a young graphic designer to founding one of the world's most highly regarded architectural practices, responsible for designing mega skyscrapers and city shaping projects around the world. I also hear from Sander on what it's like heading up the newly formed Australian practice in Melbourne, delivering the groundbreaking South Bank by Beulah. Hey, Ben and Sander, welcome to Design Your Life. How are you both doing? Very good. Uh, thanks, Vince. Awesome. Yeah, I'm good too. Uh, great. We've got Ben in where you're in um, Amsterdam? Amsterdam. Yes, Amsterdam. And we've got yes. Sander in Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. In the new office in Melbourne, which is really exciting. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Our Design Your Life series is called From Lego to Skyscrapers, which is fitting um, for our chat today because you're designing some incredible mega skyscrapers and cities shaping projects around the world. Ben, what inspired you to become an architect and what was your journey? It was actually quite a long journey because I, uh, I hoped always to become an architect, but... Uh, uh, then then uh, I made some earlier, maybe call it uh, healthy or wrong decisions. You could also uh, you know, see it in, in, in two ways. And that is that uh, I first went to the art um, academy in Amsterdam here, the Rietveld Art Co College, it's called. And there, um, instead of going f directly for architecture, I went first for... Uh, graphic design, uh, art, you know, because it's uh, yeah, it's one of the most open open art schools in in Europe, I think, because you you can in one year you can you can jump from one discipline to the other. So I experimented uh, in a way almost for three to four years, and then realized uh, when I, especially when I went into the uh, direction of uh, interior design and and uh, furniture design that that um that i liked it more than all the other disciplines i had experimented with oh. and then i decided to to go to london to study architecture at, at the architectural association but but actually i uh, i did this all in the evening this art school uh, that was um, uh, against uh, my uh, total uh, uh, um, positive anger of my uh, my family uh -huh. because they 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 said yeah but you know how could you you know after so many years study 
how could you now decide to go to England? And uh, why do you do it all in the evening? That, uh, yeah, because I said I want to learn the profession from the profession. So I worked for many designers during the day. So that was crazy. I worked oh, during wow. the day, for, uh, close to four and a half days uh, for an uh, an, an uh, graphic and industrial designer, uh, Shigeru Watano and uh, Will van Sambeek. And and actually this Japanese guy, um, he introduced me. Uh, to many, many, um, many cultural qualities of the, yeah, the, 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 the his own history of uh, Japan, and uh, he even let literally sent me to Japan. And and when I was in uh, Japan, I even thought even more harder about becoming an architect because I saw the Katsura Palace in, in Kyoto there. Uh, uh, when I was, you know, I mean, I, I think it was around 19 years old um, to go there, and then. Uh, almost like like uh, in the in, uh, light of uh, full inspiration, I thought, yeah, this is the moment I have to become an architect. Let's go for it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, yeah. What, yeah, what so were you like was as, a, as a graphic designer? I, you know, strange enough, I <laughs> I had a name already when I was around 18, 90 years old because I, I designed covers for a very important uh, son that knows this uh, uh, television station and radio station. It's called uh, the VPRO, and I, I I did a design of the covers of the of the of the weekly magazine. Mm. So you know my 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 work was to be seen all over the the, the Holland uh, uh, when I was so young. So wow. uh, you know I was I had a name. So so, the, so also there my parents were and friends also were cra- saying you're crazy. Because you 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 have already uh, found your 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 work. You're doing wow. yeah wonderful work. Why 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 go to London? You know, I have to do a very expensive school, etc. So yeah, isn't that interesting? That you yeah, that's that's un, unusual, isn't it? To go from if you already established yourself at a very young age, doing great work, that you actually in your heart you knew that architecture was your calling. Yeah, but but it had to do with the fact that I I had such a great teachers and such a great uh, people I worked for, uh, like the, not only the Japanese man but his partner uh, Will van Sambeek. He was someone who went to the first major exhibitions in the eighties with me to um, or with the whole office actually to see. I don't know if you remember that, but there was on the eighties a fantastic exhibitions on. The, the 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 development of the the modern movement like uh, uh, there were these exhibitions were called Paris Moscow P- uh, Paris Amsterdam you know how the mo- the moderns uh, had an influence on the Bauhaus and how Kardinsky and uh, you know the Russian school uh, together with the Parisian school how they work together so so I mean I I learned a lot from these teachers and and these yeah, these yeah, these key people who gave me so much knowledge about uh, the architecture also, and and uh, that's uh, that's why maybe I became more enthusiastic about the discipline. Isn't that amazing, and it, it is considerably different, isn't it? Architecture versus graphic design. I mean, graphic design, um, we, you know, it's projects are shorter time frame, smaller projects and very you can be very hands-on with it but i mean architecture is mega uh complicated uh scale is incredibly different isn't it and 
Yeah, but maybe what was interesting in the time when I was working for Shiro Watano and uh, Wilfred Sambeck, it was that I uh, also worked together with, with this office, with another office, uh, who, uh, what was, and this office was called Koliang E Associates. And uh, they were responsible for the for all the designs at the airport in in also in the eighties, and um, and that was for me really exciting because I I worked with them on exhibition designs and interior design. So I, you know, I, I I started as a graphic designer in that office as a really really young designer, and then later on I uh, in two and a half years three years in the time when I was uh, still in Amsterdam. I worked also on exhibitions and interior design, so so I learned a bit to 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 to, to think more spatially and draw spatially and uh, experiment a lot with um, uh, uh, new tools and all these things. So and in that time also, don't forget, you probably remember paper architecture. Mm -hmm. That that time, paper architecture was really. Um, uh, in that time, a new a new phenomenon. You know that architects could do uh, reinvent themselves with beautiful drawings and, and uh, new axonometrics and isonometrics and all the all these type of drawing styles were also things i learned in that time of uh, of, of the time when i studied and practiced that's it i want to be an architect is it too late for me <laughs> <laughs> you can always go an architect <laughs> yeah, it's it's never too late it's never too late i say you know i you know, maybe I'm. You know, the reason why I'm I'm quite a holistic person is also because I'm also I don't know. Um, Sander knows this in me, but I I think what is the beauty of architecture? I I always like to say is that it is connected to philosophy, to the history of uh, complex geometry. It's about people. It's about technology lately, also. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is so holistic by itself that 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 if you have a tendency to want to know everything about the world, then you know my 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 advice is to go into architecture. It's it's everywhere, right? That's the that's the thing. Yeah. People underestimate it. Sometimes they think it's only uh, you're you're doing only buildings, or you're doing. What are you doing? Basically, if you look around you, everything is architecture. Yeah, and that's it's very true. Everything's designed too. Yeah, in in some way, yeah. and people don't realize that, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Sandra, you're running the Melbourne office, which has just recently opened, um, and leading the extraordinary project with Beulah, the South Bank by Beulah. How long have you been with the practice? Uh, that's also, I think, uh, more than fifteen years by now. I think it's. I'm also tapping into basically Ben. Now you started uh, working and studying. I also I started at UN, still studying. So that was ah. basically trying to finish my studies in the evening and working at at UN Studio, uh, which also my friends and family uh, sweared at me at. Is <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, a very good model to to study and 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 work at the same time. Really kind of gives you the freedom on one side to experiment in your studies, but mm -hmm. keeps you down to earth and on your feet while working and trying to see if things blend into each other. Wow. I mean, that's pretty committed too, isn't it? I mean, are you working all day and then in the evening on your studies? Yeah, kind of rushing, uh, rushing to the academy in the evening with your kind of panels or freshly printed panels from uh, kind of from the office computers and then quickly presenting it till late in the evenings. Yeah. And what's Ben been like as a boss? 
<laughs> was he encouraging you? I think that's that's. I'm going uh, off the line now. <laughs> <laughs> encouraging for sure. I think that's a uh, that's what what most of the people in architecture do is trying to see how they can actually foster people's. Into in kind of intellect and kind of ingenuity, kind of the, the two, it's all about finding passions and 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 enjoying it. But at the same time, also there's 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 shouting and there's there's arguments, and that's also what you learn in in your studies. But how to then do that in the office? How to make sure that people don't leave shouting, but uh, but in a kind of collaborative kind of way. And I think it's. Definitely goes hand in hand. Well, how, how did you both, you both did a very similar journey, I guess, by working and studying. How, how did the, that combination influence y the outcome? Like the, the, the level that you got to? Uh, I, th I think, you know, it's, it shows commitment. I, I think, the, and a sort of enthusiasm and maybe a sort of, maybe even sometimes a quite unhealthy uh, fanatism. Yeah. Because, you know, and that's what you need for this profession because it's so um, labor intensive. Uh, you need so much knowledge before you really feel secure that you can uh, know how, that you know how to not only design a building, but that you can also feel and, and understand the materiality of it and how it's going to be built, you know, because you, you're, you're not drawing for yourself, you draw for the builders. You, you have to know how they work. You need to know their working methods, etc. But But that's one thing. The other thing is that um, uh, combining teaching, uh, what I still do, uh, teaching mm. with with working, and keeping active in the in the whole practice, you know, so, so that you know what your colleagues are doing and what, or what is happening at the at the universities, is something where I've always believed in. You, you know, I don't say anything about other architects, but I am the architect who likes to be working on uh, shifting qualities within the boundaries of the boundaries of the profession. Yeah. You know, I like that a lot, and and that's what I always uh, did also when I. Yeah, studied in the evening, and later on, uh, also uh, during the day. Uh, but don't forget, because when I studied in the evening, that was in Amsterdam. When I went to London, the Architectural Association, then I learned uh, that 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 school was so uh, intensive, and that was in that time. Uh, you cannot say that today anymore, but but uh, in that time, everyone called it uh, the the mecca of uh, the profession. You know, it was the place where to study. Uh, you had, uh, I, you know, the, the great thing about the architectural association was that I had teachers like uh, Zaha Hadid, uh, Daniel Liebeskind, uh, uh, Peter Wilson, uh, uh, you know, I mean, the whole uh, Kopi Mublau, uh, Benachumi, all these architects, well, Peter Eisenman uh, and Charles Jenks, you know, <laughs> Charles Jenks gave a lot of uh, lectures there. It was an, an incredible, uh, that was my most important uh, teaching, uh, sorry, my education place in, in, in the five years when I was there in London. That, 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 that helped me a lot. Incredible organization. And funny enough, I did some books for them in, uh, uh, for AA in London, uh, Peter Merkley, um, yeah. his book, and that was a wonderful project to work with. But an incredible place of uh, learning, exhibitions, students from all over the world. Yeah. Pretty inspiring. Yeah. Pretty inspiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just talked to Sanders, um, Sander, um, about your 
experience working in Australia so far? Uh, you haven't been here that long, have you? No, just uh, what is it like one and a half months by now? Wow! So it's really uh, first steps of of settling and maybe literally landing. Do you feel like mm-hmm. you've just left home? Like you've left your personal home and the business home in uh, Amsterdam? Yeah, definitely. It's it's kind of trying to see how you can establish a new home. That's an interesting kind of link. To kind of what do you need? What do I personally need to find feel comfortable? What does what do you need as a business? establish that kind of seeing how we can link it to to other the great australians around here it's really uh exciting opportunity isn't it? on the back of the the beulah project um, which is a real game changer here in australia um incredible organization incredibly young team too aren't they uh very vis- yeah. visionary um, yeah they're, they're great passionate clients and that so all from the beginning on, from the competition onwards, there's been this kind of amazing kind of uh, free, look, free looking client almost, a kind of trying to see we don't like boundaries, we don't like limitations and rules, and then, then getting that project out of that. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I remember we pitched on the project for the, the branding, et cetera. We didn't win, unfortunately. Uh, Ongarato did, and they're going to be doing an incredible job um, with that. But I remember in the pitch, you know, going into the briefing session with all the agencies and just going, the client was, I just could not believe, maybe it's my age, I'm 56 now, but I just remember just going, well, hang on, what is it, where's the client? The client's not here, surely. <laughs> it's like, they must be in their 30s, right? The, the, the owners. And um, I was just blown away by their passion, their determination, yeah. the vision to pull this off. It's a bit of the kind of uh, passion that Ben was mentioning about architecture that you have. You have to kind of live and breathe it. I think that's what Beulah as a client does. They kind of, they really, this is a project also that is their kind of a legacy project. That's what you, you live and li- live and dream this, this project. That's what you, you want to realize. Yeah. And it's... But they're, ver- they're very unusual they're in the sense that, uh, yeah, we maybe only know a handful of uh, these type of, clients who with with of course you have to be commercial you have to have to understand uh, how you financially run a project like that how to build it uh, they have that all in their capacity but what's quite amazing with them is that they also believe in in the better things in the world you know they're yeah. highly human centrically oriented they they believe that it needs to be a, a good a good project for the city that it will make this part of the uh, city very lively. You know, the South Bank is not so very lively. The mm-hmm. the northern part of uh, of the city is very lively, and you know, very very beautiful communities you have there. And, and, and I don't know, Melbourne is anyway very community or a light, a nice oriented uh, city. But 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 this part of the city needs to have a new boost, and they they all want to. In, within the company want to work on these ideas and and they are not afraid of ideas around sustainability uh, be, yeah more green around the project uh, natural materials healthy materials um, yeah to stimulate health with with the with the way how people can work and live there it's all uh, it's yeah they have a very progressive uh, contemporary new fresh way of looking at the world that that's that's really wonderful yeah so that that it blew you away as well right 
you had the same kind of feeling yes. like, oh my God, this is, is this, yeah. is this real? Because people talk yeah. about it, but they don't actually deliver on it. Whereas these guys are actually delivering on it big time. Yeah. No, yeah. No and ambitious. Yeah. No, nah, no compromise, but you know, it's quite an odd combination to be on the one hand, very ambitious and very, uh, smartly commercially driven on the one hand, and then on the other hand, be very uh, highly human centric and, and positive about the good things in the world, you know. So, so uh, I, I find it uh, quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I obviously chose you guys because you are very much focused on human centric centric design. Yes, but that, that, that's in our nature. We have always thought that architecture is about people and, and the way how you can create communities and uh, can improve the life of the city with the way how people can communicate better with each other in the city. Uh, that architecture can support and help there is clear. Uh, but, but, but of course, you need to, in the first place, think about how the people who are going to occupy uh, the spaces of the city or the, the, the buildings uh, where they're going to live in and work in, that they uh, support these ideas of uh, community or, or health in a very positive way. And, and we have found really tools for that, you know, to activate people to that they take more staircases, that you can, uh, with technology, improve the, the communication between people in the neighborhood by, by sharing uh, sports activities or 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 uh, growing uh, vegetables with each other and that you take a responsibility in the com community for these things um that you uh yeah make sure that uh, people take care of each other when they become a little bit older or that you have healthcare connected to to your to your community all these things are are of the future we believe uh, through not only technology but through in a way how technology can help to bring people better together and architecture of course in the first place mm -hmm. is our uh, is our ambition i think also the, the project itself is not just a, a introverted massive project i think that's also a bit of a a past type of, of building it's not just this 360 meter high tower that's only looking towards the inner works of it we mm -hmm. kind of if you have your community that community has to link to the to the city around it, so this South Bank really links to the to the green, to the cultural networks that there are, to everything that's already in in Melbourne, and not as a competing big development, but to kind of to make it better, to make South Bank a lively environment, and to kind of give a new podium to the cultural uh, environment of Melbourne that they don't have, and really add new things to it. And it's really cool that the the building itself is, I guess, two buildings, isn't it? That twist mm. and face each other with a green spine. Um, and it's going to be the tallest building. Is that true? The tallest building, residential building in the Southern Hemisphere when it's built? Yeah, that's right. So that's, uh, that's the big, uh, big milestone to reach. So is Eureka Tower the tallest now? Or yeah, at the moment, that's, uh, one that's the Queens, neighbor. One's in Queensland, isn't there, that's taller? Not than Eureka, I think. It's, uh, no. It could be the A one is in Queensland. Is they outflank it? Maybe that's one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's it's it's incredible. The um, I just uh, yeah, I think Eureka's eighty eight floors, isn't it? I think pretty pretty uh, huge. 
But but you know the the, the argument uh, what we gave to to this idea of the two towers was to 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 break open a slab. You know, so you have to almost see the project as a slab where we cut out the in between piece out of it. You know, if you understand what I mean. So so the two towers came out of. And, and volumetric thinking, what could have been done on, and that you have maybe seen the other uh, designs. So uh, in the competition phase, there were many other architects who went for the full volume of this slab on the side. So that would have meant almost the whole wall in this location. And actually, uh, what we said that, and that was just also a risk we took. Uh, in, in the design phase is we said let's open it up so that we get more daylight towards the two parts of the city uh, that you get more transparency okay you have then higher up you you have to top up a bit the tower but with this you get far more quality towards the yeah the, the composition of the whole structure of the towers in the surrounding and and the quality of daylight and uh, yeah not such a heavy uh, windfalls on on the on the plinth of the location so 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 we went for a lot of external and internal uh, ideas of the project itself to to uh, to come to this composition it's interesting because you talked before about uh it was a competition and it was a a widely publicized one wasn't it It was like people from all over the world uh were competing for this project um i guess you guys do that every day do you do it like a big project pitching for opportunities uh, like this. How do you know, I mean, we find when we pitch on projects, it's kind of, it's harder to get it right than actually having a relationship with a client, understanding the brief and getting fully under the skin of a project. Do you, do you find it kind of the, the, the distance of the kind of the, I guess the, I guess the risk of it being a bit of a gamble that, um, that, that you, you, you either come up with better ideas or, or ideas that aren't as good as you know, having a fully commissioned, uh, 100% committed brief? It's, it's one of the most difficult aspects of our profession sometimes, I think, because it's quite tough eh, to always compete with your peers. And and then you start somewhere in the beginning, you know, somewhere in the top 50, and then you grow, you know, you do well, then you do the top 40, the top 30, and now we are maybe in the top 10. Yeah. And that's wonderful to compete in the top 10, but you cannot believe how long it takes to come there because because it's it's all true competitions that you win the most uh, yeah I call it uh, adventurous iconographic uh, highlights in in the in the field so mm-hmm. so that is uh, the, you know there is not another way to do it and and these competitions are on one hand enjoyable because you 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 can you can test things out you have not done in in other projects where you have a a real project and maybe a very uh, clear brief sometimes with the competition the brief is a bit open towards innovation and yeah then you can test you can innovate uh, and 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 come up with new ideas Uh, but 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 still the i don't want to tell you the amount of investments who go who go in here (laughs) you know (laughs) it's crazy You, you never get paid for the full amount and that is okay uh, because you you if you win the project let's say you win let's say um, close to 40 to 30 percent now 40 percent preferably 50 percent of your competitions then you can 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 average it out but if you only win 20 percent or 30 percent of your competitions in the whole year yeah then you have a uh, then you don't make profits 
Wow. So then you cannot, uh, well, then you cannot invest in uh, research and development, for instance, you know, and that is for us really tough because research and development is the way how we survive as a company because on that level we can invest in the best ideas around sustainability, circular buildings or uh, experimenting with new um, uh, uh, solar panels, for instance, what we do right now. So, so all these kind of uh, yeah, these competitions are quite, quite intense. They're very intense. And what does it feel like when you get the announcement, hey guys, you get the phone call, you've won this. What does that feel like? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. <laughs> because you... <laughs> Sandra starts packing his bags, heading for Melbourne. Yeah, it feels good, right? Yeah, and yeah definitely. Very good yeah. Because, because you, you don't forget, you you know that you have a very good project, but that it is uh, appreciated and also not only appreciated by the client, but in this case also appreciated by the city, yeah. uh, then you have a very, very positive, uh, of course, uh, uh, result. And, and yeah, that, that makes us very excited and happy. Um, and, and of course, this was also, like you said, very um, media savvy in, the sen- in a positive sense. Uh, mm. It was almost as if the cameras were following us uh, day by day, mm-hmm. and it was uh, yeah. So when we won, also that was a, you know that went all over the world. Amazing. So so it was, it was very good for us. Yeah, and and, and it's just interesting. Your I guess you must have spent months concepting that uh, South Bank. Um, Concept, yeah. Concepting times itself is maybe a. If reduced, it's then the kind of all this detail that goes into it. It's like if you go back to the the, the the competition time frame, sometimes the best ideas are the first week or the first two weeks, and you're kind of trying to brainstorm on that. And it's, the, the aim is not to make it too complicated. Mm. The more the more time you have, the more people start to think about it and rethink about it, and 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 you start to maybe come back in earlier decisions that seem to be fantastic ideas at the beginning but maybe you come back but, to that. but Sander, the, Sander this competition was quite quite uh, well organized not because it was amazingly organized yeah yeah it was very well organized so so what was super good is that the client allowed us to meet us in between and that we could present our first concepts mm. and that we had could have a discussion with them about it and then they would uh, uh, objectify their critique uh, towards each competitor and um, and and that's how they uh, send us home and that you know this is very very yeah it's a little bit more done but but not not often done mm. uh, that you can can talk with your client about the progress of your ideas um, and what i liked a lot is that they you know it was not a competition what we did in two months yeah four or five months even mm. i think it was quite a while and and uh, yeah so um like like Sander said, if you are, if you are, if your mission is clear from the beginning always, and your ideas are clear from the beginning always, that then the good thing is that you have enough time to work it out. You know that's what, because you, you cannot imagine what you have to produce for for some of these competitions. You know that they go so far that from the cost to construction to uh, yeah layouts of uh, the apartments, everything needs to be in. So you need to really produce then a lot of uh, drawings. Incredible. And, do, and does the design change much once you've won it to the reality of the project? You know, the delivery of the project? Is it is it still pretty much the vision and the idea 
just yeah. there from the pitch. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I think that's the, almost a bit like a, like a project growing up, right? If there's a, a really early design, a competition design is super, super young and, and, and everything is kind of uh, maybe simplified in things, mm-hmm. but then a project matures a bit and it kind of grows up. I think that kind of slowly there's changes, but uh, the aim is still that there's this strong character of the building that, that remains. Yeah, and um, you, you guys partnered with Cox Architecture, right? Um, how does that yes. work? How does, how does another relationship with another architect on the ground work? We stand also for as um, use studio as in, as as we work for or with the United Network, uh, so with specialists around us and people who can uh, help and support us. Or uh, why do you uh, also do things with together? So like with Cox, we really work together as an uh, as as an as an. Uh, compatible uh, full team together so that that was uh, unique and and special what we do a bit more over the last years but but uh, the the good thing about uh, this company and the architects in the company the partners in the company that that they are very open-minded people friendly uh, they have a very uh, very good design ethic um, they're very well connected to the locals so so that was you know without them we could have never won the competition because they 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 knew so many things we didn't thought of uh, uh, if there were big details of the project or small details of the project they they were always very uh, very positively critical about the way how we had to readjust some of the of the the qualities of the design and that is yeah, that's always good. I think that, that that's even necessary if we want to work in another place. The, the com- kind of uh, collaborative design really kind of comes to uh, to the next level then. It's not just a, a t- two companies working on a project, but really kind of finding the right soulmates to to do that together with. Yeah. What, what, what is it about you, you... Uh... Dutch guys. I mean, what what makes you so good at this? I mean, it's funny because Holland, um, Amsterdam isn't famous for its skyscrapers or tall buildings, is it? What what is it that's? What is your experience and how people live and work in communities? I guess coming from, I guess you 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 learn around the world as well. It's not just from Holland, but just in terms of what is it the the Dutch sensibility that's appropriate for Australian, you know building of the scale i i do believe that the dutch have this uh, fantastic um, playground of uh, of opportunities you can test out here on many different uh, type of projects in, in 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 this country so 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 for instance when we go back to the 70s or the 80s when we experimented with uh, housing types in that time for uh, smaller communities and we had to densify very quickly, even after the war, Second World War. Only mm, kinds of ideas were uh, tested in this country. And, you know, coming out of a country where trading was one of the most important, uh, you know, we are traders from mm-hmm. our background. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we have never been a very local country in Europe. Uh, we we uh, don't stand with our back towards Europe, but we stand towards or back towards the sea. 
uh, and then if we want to go out, then we when we then we go out. But 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 if you are in Amsterdam, we only speak English. Uh, often speak English in this in this city. Mm-hmm. Uh, many international people love to be here. Um, so there is on the one hand maybe a an, an deep sensibility towards design, culture in general, and architecture. If you go back to the history of architecture in this ca- country, yeah, from from the architects of uh, Aldo van Nijk or uh, Kuipers, you know, were, I mean, were even in the 17th century, there were uh, very interesting architects to be found here. Mm-hmm. But but this this it goes further than this than our own cultural identity alone. I think our international interest and our uh, desire to be to be out there and to learn from others is actually and to exchange ideas. That is actually where. Where I think we are simply good in, we 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 like this. We like to be out. We'd like to learn. We'd like to also improve uh, with density. Um, like like uh, we we maybe don't make skyscrapers, but we make horizontal skyscrapers. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, we know know how to work with density. That's really cool. Um, ben, you talk about architecture being in the background and humans being the focus. How has this approach evolved over time and how much time goes into studying and researching people and our habits and our needs and wants? That's a nice question because when I was a student at the AA, I started in the first year. You know, I didn't want to start in the first year because I studied already so long. <laughs> but there's the dean uh, with uh, two letters I had from Kolhaas, Mr. Kolhaas himself and uh, Zaha Hadid. Uh, he didn't accept my references because he said, uh, you know, you, you, if I look at your portfolio, uh, better start in the first year. And then I was so angry. But, oh, yeah. And his argument was, it's better to, to to learn to forget all what you've learned. Because here, you learn everything in a new way. Uh-huh. How you have to become the best in this field. Right. So that's what uh, that was his advice. Mm-hmm. And in this first year, I was a bit bored because I had done all the things already. Uh, and I had a fantastic teacher, John Andrews, actually. Maybe you know that name. He was for a while in Melbourne also teaching as an, um, as an architect. Mm. Uh, John, John gave me uh, the advice uh, to study the situationist. And, uh, and then I understood that these were the guys who followed people in the street. So I did that. I, I've, in London, I for I think for a, few, a set of few weeks, I, I followed people in the street. I wanted to know how where they moved, what kind of infrastructure they used, where they lived, um, and I did all I did all these maps of user groups in um, a certain part of the city. And I've always thought that 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 from the Renaissance all onwards, you know, you know this from the the way even how. Uh, the, the architect Bramante or uh, Leonardo with his, with his studies towards human 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 uh, uh, centric qualities in design and how how the references towards the body and form making were important in that time. I've always believed through the history of architecture that the human centric quality of architecture is to be central towards the way how you need to design um, the, the city and from from that period of the AA towards uh, later on uh, through the way how we studied uh, train stations and how people move between one, one bus station and another bus station and a, and a taxi stand board and a 
parking place or whatever. I, I, I was always interested in how you could measure the way how people look and, and feel and use particular qualities of space and where they would gather. And, and now you can do that with, with much better with data you can get from all these different entities like, uh, you know, the rail companies and uh, to understand where people, uh, how they move, where they move to and what they need in order to feel themselves safer in a space. Like for instance, in this island train station, we made only the station with one column instead of 70 columns we had to design in order to make a very good view towards every part of the space. And now this idea of uh, uh, working towards a human-centric design is is used in an, in a project uh, in a neighborhood of uh, Helmond uh, close to Eindhoven where we where we with technology bring people more together in this neighborhood through yeah activities like um, growing vegetables uh, and and many other things but what they can do in this neighborhood and it is it is so that we do that because we don't like uh, to live in monofunctional areas where we feel uh, isolated and uh, secluded and alienated from from other people we'd like to be together we'd like to be part of a community and and that's that's been always my belief and don't forget that this sounds like 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 that we only work from this angle only but that's not true because the formal language the, the, the articulation of the design the aesthetics the material use proportioning the quality or even the visual enjoyment of, of an for instance a station is as important because because you like to celebrate traveling uh, through design so so the human centric is important we we bring it to the top of our design but 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 the other aspects of it follow out of that in the same uh, ambition as we we bring into the human centric design that's incredible. And then you talked about um, there's another part of your of uh, UN Studios um, called UN Sense. Um, can you talk a bit about your vision for that and how it came about and um, how you integrate that team into projects? Already in the early 90s, we had uh, with our first computer we bought, we uh, knew already that that through technology, uh, the production of architecture would change. So we, we drew already the Erasmus Bridge in a 3D model and gave that to the offshore builder who built this bridge, actually. And they were so enthusiastic and they bought, bought their first CNC cutter uh, machines uh, with a computer. So, so we have always believed that if you work with new tools, then you stimulate others to do the same and to... Mm. to activate uh, through technology uh, working processes but that is the um, that is that is still further developed than over the beginning of 2000 for many other architects now we work even with uh, what we call bim building information technology so where, where in a 3d model you can exchange very quickly all kinds of details in 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 one minute almost you can say mm -hmm. so that is now so advanced that is one part of the 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 profession where we work with but i i lately uh, wanted to get away a bit from that aspect of of the way how we work with technology i mean today what is so beautiful with data and cyber technology and and 
call it um, blockchaining, for instance, is that you can protect data for the people in the neighborhood. You can set up a data platform whereby people in the neighborhood can communicate with each other and they can know maybe how much energy they consume or even produce. You know, I mean, today the technology is so far that you can you can make your you can make energy neutral towers as we have uh, discovered but it's still in the beginning mm -hmm. but it's all possible so so we we don't want to design smart cities with the un sense but what we argue is that we want to get away from this concept of the smart city because nobody understands it anyway you know if, if you ask someone what is a smart city nobody knows <laughs> we say let's that's not very smart <laughs> no, so so nobody knows. Uh, yeah, the one maybe one person might say, yeah, it's about following people in the street, not uh, where they shop. And they said, no, no, that's not so smart city. Or where people park. No, that's also not a smart city. So that's you know we believe that you need to pull technology in the in the good things of where people live with, like health and the built environment, sustainability and the built environment supporting community uh, exchange between the people in 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 that community um, so that they so that you make the the neighborhood socially more healthy so that and and it's really you cannot believe it i mean since we have set up this company and do this project in helmond and now also in south korea and in bruzzano italy now we have lately another project in la uh, it's flying like unbelievable. It's, it's, I mean, I, I never expected this. And it kind of goes from your early days in London, walking around following people, which sounds a bit strange, but capturing the data from their every move and how <laughs> that influences your designs, right? How people yes. move in a city, how they navigate it. Uh, all the obstacles exactly. too, as well as the positive stuff. It's very much about yeah, trying it's... to avoid uh, the, the negative stuff. And also for, for the stations, you want to avoid people uh, getting trapped in, in situations that they want, don't want to be. You want to kind of do a bit of prediction, but also then choose what you want to make happen. Like you want to hope that people have these coincidental moments where they can, they can meet up. So you don't want to make this kind of only a smooth machine where nobody ever meets each other because they flow past each other seamlessly <laughs> it would be very it would be very boring it's also that you have to know what you make what you need to do to avoid that they clash i yeah. think that's um, or that they there's too many people or things like that it's kind of oh, helpless but how did how did uh, un sense um influence the south bank project what was the kind of the the interesting kind of um findings or explorations around uh that research. Uh, don't forget that that when we set up UN Sense, we started the competition. So so okay. UN Sense is very young. Okay. So so it's not fully integrated here. But uh, as we uh, talk to the client about the opportunities of UN Sense and the built environment, they get more and more enthusiastic about integrating some parts of it, mm. uh, like the the community community building they you know this is one of the things that that's almost their philosophy as well uh, so so they like uh, some of these things to be in one way or the other to be who knows to be implemented but but um, don't forget that you in sense generates also a lot of new analog ideas i wish i could show you some of the examples 
but I can maybe one uh, describe one example, and that is a project we did in München. Um, uh, I think that uh, yeah, that Sander also yeah, I think Sander was also involved in this. Is that that uh, this project is about uh, how people can live in a small square meter apartment, and with some larger furniture, you can unfold. Uh, uh, and plug in in that apartment with the idea that you can exchange that apartment from a one-bedroom apartment towards a two-bedroom apartment or a three-room apartment, uh, whereby you can have a room for sporting or for working mm. and another room for... Uh, so it's quite an, an unbelievable flexible system what we introduced, wow. but came out of some digital uh, analytical research and user group uh, studies uh, like we discussed before, and then then this design came out without the the direct use of technology, but was inspired by technology. Oh, and that is what I maybe yeah, and that's what I forgot to say that technology, we believe, needs to promote the best things in life in the analog world, so in the physical world. So where where we where we where where maybe we approach design in a, in a direction. Where we would have never thought of without uh, technology. Yeah. So that's the interesting aspect of it. I started off uh, a while back in the 80s um, in design, in graphic design, and it was before the computers. And so I, my generation was still believes that sketching is you sketch on a piece of paper, and we still do that, right? You sketch your ideas out. Whereas yeah, the younger yeah, yeah. generation is very much driven by technology and utilizing technology in a far more as their palette and as their tools um do, do you find that in in your practice is it just different generations are approaching it a different way or do you have you kept your approach your personal approach to um ideation and getting ideas down um throughout the throughout the whole company and also some the notice as well is that i i don't like to sketch out Today, although I sketch a lot, I mean, this is what I really do daily, and I even still paint. You know, I, I've always painted. I love painting mm -hmm. uh, because I know the, the more we are working with technology, the more I have the tendency to do more with my hands because I used to do everything like you with my hands. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I didn't have a computer. I, I, the first buildings I drew on the drawing board uh, in the 80s. And, and, um, and so I, I come from that same generation. And I, but in the office, I, I've learned not to draw out everything anymore because I've, what I, what I like is to maybe as a, maybe a director or how to say a choreographer who likes more experiment in, in, in the, in the choreography of his own design that you, that you allow others to come up with ideas, you know, to, to come up with a particular direction when you maybe sketch out the diagram maybe you might say yeah it would be good if it is let's say more horizontally vertically organized or you know like the mobius house was first a diagram uh, or the mercedes-benz museum was first an and trifold as they call it diagram and then you know the organization fell in its place through extreme amount of experiments through mm -hmm. model making and uh and allowing also others to think around uh, uh, a direction of a mission of the design, and that's what 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 I uh, you know that's what I really like like at the moment that you 
that you even from the interns to to the to the younger designers or a partner allow everyone to bring in ideas and that you then you know you might get two or three variants where you say wow this is actually so spectacular that's what i didn't expect let's further develop this and then maybe i might sketch a bit further uh, with the team but 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 the analog and the, and the physical aspect of working is is still very important in the office yes mm-hmm. i think that we we also said that it was a bit like a curation right you're kind of a it's also a bit of a pick and mix trying to see where was something something develops and this belongs very nicely to the collection and that belongs very nice to it this we keep for later that might be might be valid uh, uh, in a later time but it's really about curating the the, the main the, the main path mm. and then giving everybody these tools because it's when you say schedule is fine for some but other people don't like it and you shouldn't force them to do a sketch on the paper if they're much more comfortable in quickly sculpting something uh, in a computer i think it's yep. it's definitely uh you give the right tools to everybody it's really interesting that i remember when i when i first left college and i went to pentagram in london so it was like a, a very famous design company and mm. pre computers and i remember um i remember i was so enthusiastic i wanted to keep learning and i, and I was there to learn but i was really a slave <laughs> You know, I was like, hey, Vince, can you photocopy this up? Make it 130%, you know, and I, black and white. We didn't even have color photocopiers. It's all black and white. And um, I remember just thinking, I'd watch the partners uh, move, move, working on a poster for a theater or something. And they're working with photocopies, cutting them out and, you know, in full mm-hmm. size. And I remember looking and going, I don't understand what they're doing. They're moving stuff around different sizes. And it eventually <laughs> it finds a spot and they go, that's it, it's done. And I go, I don't get it. I just couldn't get it for months and months. Maybe it was years. And it's so cool. It's like watching that, observing that. But I was very much the assistant at that point, not, and it wasn't a collaborative process. <laughs> you know, I think things have changed dramatically. And even in your name as an organization, United Network, um, it, it kind of, it says collaboration and it says kind of sharing and, and many voices. But it's, it's interesting how things have changed in time where it used to be the gurus dictating this is what it is, but now it's come, we're kind of co-creating, and I guess that fusion of ideas and input makes the project special. Um, I don't know, yeah. Sander, you're, you've been there with the firm 15 years now. Was it early days where you um, scratching your head going, I don't get this, I don't know what, <laughs> why, why is this good, better than that? But the, yeah, that's a kind of learning also which steps or what steps are there in a design? Kind of it, at the beginning, you don't know how the how a design is actually built up, but you kind of start your studies and start to work. Like you think that it's uh, that it's always been there, or you now things how things slowly develop, how things get bigger. That's that's all new to you then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of wonder if it's um, I mean, how much of it is? And Ben, you teach still, and I don't know if Sandra, you teach as well. Do you? No, no. Exactly. You got that to look forward to. Melbourne, yeah, they would Melbourne. start teaching great, in Melbourne. Um, but Ben, you're teaching people, uh, young students, etc. I mean, how much of it is talent, natural talent, in uh, making a great architect, or you know, what is the magic formula? That, that uh, you know, it's of course talent is important. Uh, I, I do believe that 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 you must have a special talent. You need you need to understand a bit um 
the sensitivities around the way how you design 3D because it's it's really thinking 3D uh, design. You, you you have to you have to almost see it in your head what 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 the building is going to look like uh, spatially. Uh, so that that is yeah I've learned that that is a talent what you need to. Um, need to have or can develop also you can de even when it is very minor when the talent is there then you can uh, um, you can uh, and 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 enrich it by uh, yeah training you know I, I I do believe that training and educating yourself not that I educate but that you learn to educate yourself that you can become better in what what you'd like to be is for some is maybe less hard work because the talent is a little bit bigger uh, or more present and and for others it is uh, incredible hard work uh, same the same with practicing uh, you know playing the piano um it, it, it's for some very easy and and you some can do it very naturally and they almost you know play uh, uh, you know by four or five years old uh, very very comfortably but but um, but for me, the, the key is what, uh, what is so your ambition. So I've learned this from many other great thinkers, is that if you, if you are, as a student, uh, if you allow yourself to, to find your, your own language, your own ideas, your own, that you, that you learn to trust yourself, to build on your own uh, vision, then, then, then you can make it quite far in this profession, but 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 it is maybe even more important than talent. I would like to say, if you have mm. consistency, and if you work hard, and you you don't when you never give up, you should never give up. I would always say to my students, mm. when you think that you can become better, I I I I can honestly tell you that my best years are still to come. I say that to to not only myself, but I say that also to others. My batches are still to come. Fantastic. I love that. I mean, it's just talking about time because you, you were, Ben, you were instrumental on the redevelopment of uh, Arnhem Central Transfer Terminal in Holland. Um, I guess it's called ACTT, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, the project was finished in 2015, <laughs> but that was 20 years after your initial drawings and plans. I mean, these projects are very long term, aren't they? Yeah, architecture is very slow, and that's why maybe um, that's why it takes such a long time when you get in this. <laughs> what I said, the top ten to compete in. Yeah, you know, you get. You, you, I call it also trained judgment. If you are trained over the years, then you know how to judge much faster when when things are good or not good. Uh, yeah, projects take lo a long time. I, I've had many projects who took at least uh, 8, 10, 15, 20 years because it's, especially for a large-scale project, uh, it, this is quite standard. Uh, I'm working now on a very complex project in Hong Kong. It's uh, one of the biggest uh, lyric theaters in the world with three theaters in it. Uh, it's built on an... Uh, on a high-speed line uh, with a uh, high, yeah, and highway, yes, and highway underneath uh, the the building site as well. It is deep in the ground. This project mm. uh, on a piece of land where, like the Dutch, what is uh, uh, not is what is uh, artificially made. So so it's all water. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, you know, I mean, this project we worked on already for the last uh, seven years, and we probably need to still go for another two, three years. So, you know, it's 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 especially there with these bigger, complex uh, projects that you you yeah you have to have uh, enormous patience. Wow. And I, persistency. How do you how do you maintain that energy and optimism and excitement around a project then that takes that long? Are you on? Because I guess you're on multiple I, projects. There's multiple things happening at different times. I, I make sure that my clients become my friends. <laughs> so that uh, so that uh, you know that it feels like uh, you know it's wonderful to even when you have a difficult time that you can solve all of the problems with your clients mm -hmm. because because and and maybe you don't know me on that level but I I'm someone who really enjoy the profession like to be optimistic about every project we do mm. and and um, I, I'm someone who I I have not a, I've not such a problem with uh, with with um, patience and 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 maybe I'm impatient when it comes to quality. You know, I'm I, I'm sometimes very impatient about the, when the when the, the quality of the design doesn't come out as the way we hoped for in the first three weeks or something like that. That then I'm impatient. But when the when the train is on on its rail and it is moving, then. Yeah, then then I hope always that uh, the the speed of the train is not going to go slower or faster, but that it is consistent. Mm. Uh, and kind of keeping in the train metaphor, I think there's also you go from A to B or from A to Z, and there's all kinds of stations in between, and sometimes which are kind of phases. So sometimes there is a bit of a, maybe you're a, you're a fast train at certain moments, but you're a kind of a, a slower paced train at the others. You can't be a, you can't be the the high speed train full on for for ten years. You also have to kind of sometimes you have to stop at a station and look a bit at different detail of the surroundings. So it's really also these these big projects that that go in the different paces with different people. That also kind of people go on and off of projects it gives different. Uh, Sometimes the architect is the the one that that is on the project most consistently. Sometimes, yeah, everybody changes. And you also a bit of the, the 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 history of a project, almost the kind of the library for all the knowledge of a project. So they're all kind of things that uh, yeah. that pass in the life lifespan of a design. So a project that length of time, I guess it's so important from the initial kind of pitching idea to the finalization of it, the consistency and maintaining that throughout that project is vital, isn't it? And and having, yeah. I guess having the, the core team, the same people on the project all the way through from beginning to end is vital too, because there's so much at stake, again. It's interesting too, the thing about pitching, people talk about pitching as a curse, but it sounds like pitching is like a, a, like a, a focus time of excitement and energy uh, for ideation yeah. and creativity. People thrive on these sessions, kind of really kind of that's where you say there's so much energy there after it's done. It's like this big hole that you, you fall in, which is also what you need. You need a bit of rest. You need to kind of sleep a bit again. But yeah. it's, it's definitely it's the almost unhealthy, um, unhealthy speed and then going down. It's what many people in, in the office and I think the profession in general, they are good at kind of getting the energy running showing what it's what it's like and then kind of taking a moment to to digest again and, and refine yeah that's interesting in a, in a way kind of getting back once you've got the idea 
across the line, getting back into the, the process of rolling it out. It's almost like a meditative process. It feels like it's very, it sounds calmer. It's a calmer energy and um, more thoughtful, perhaps. I don't know if it's, that's the case, but, it, you know, reflective. Yeah, I guess you, you, you must be, when you're working on a project which you guys concepted quite quickly in the scheme of things compared to the execution of it, when you're executing it, it must feel like time to reflect on that ideas in the first place. How did they come about? And how do they work? And will they work in the real life, in real world? And all the input from other people, builders and clients and et cetera, et cetera, around that. It must be like, must be fascinating. I mean, we, we do that on a lesser scale, I guess, well, lesser scale, smaller scale when we, we do brands or we do environmental design and science mm. and wayfinding for projects. Um, it's, a, it's still a, the longest project is kind of six months. It's, it's not eight years, you know? Um, and it's, you know, I can, I can do a logo in 10 minutes. And it's, you know, it's like, uh, often I said that I got in trouble for saying that all the time. But it's that, um, it's, it's interesting to, like, have, you ever, have you ever done a competition, won the competition, and kind of started going halfway through it, years, years down the track, go, you know what? We should have done it another way. <laughs> Would that would that ever come about? But I kind of wonder. You, you, you've got you've invested so much in it. Do you get to the point where it is what it is, or do you then take the opportunity to improve on? If you see a shortfall in it, do you then go back to clients and say, you know what, we've actually discovered something. We think this could be improved by doing this, and you know, bring yeah, it forward. that's only that's good, right? That's good if you if you can further improve it. I think that's only a quality. When you don't go in there and say we did it wrong. Uh, we had the wrong idea because it's the idea will probably be very sound and, and, and based on lots of fantastic assumptions and ideas of that time. But you can always say, okay, hey, this this suddenly makes sense, and then you just make a new step and everybody's happy. And that's also something that you have to to accept. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and uh, what is interesting is that sometimes clients they come up themselves with a correction eh? that they say, oh, um, this is maybe not the program what we think is going to work anymore on that part of the building. So can we readjust it? And then something out of the change uh, gen generates for us a new insight in the way we think, oh, uh, this is maybe an opportunity because this might lead to a better plint or a better entrance or so, 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 yeah, not only we have new insights into our projects alone, but also others uh, from, from uh, the whole yeah, team uh, might have a, a new insight. And, that, and, and we allow always this to, to happen because it's like with editing a text or editing a movie, uh, when you think, gosh, you know, this movie needs to be in, uh, you know, the concept be a two hour three hour movie but it needs to go cut, be cut it back in in one and a half hour not not every movie would be then better particularly but, but if you think you can make the mo movie then or the building better uh, by editing it here and there then uh, yeah the the the, the, uh, the the bigger details of the project become then much clearer mm. if i if you understand what i mean mm -hmm. how important yeah. is um sorry i'm just talking about how do you ensure your buildings are sustainable and energy efficient? I mean, obviously, we all need to play our part in creating more sustainable outcomes and more sustainable world. What do, what do you guys, how do you approach that? We, we, uh, we at the moment are also there educating even ourselves 
uh, with our clients to to uh, to give the opportunities of uh, what it will do for your cost, your energy cost bills or your, or your bill uh, later on, or what it will do to the value of the, the building itself. Um, we we um, we even uh, say now that it is not enough to to make your energy uh, or to make energy reductions in the way how you design your buildings. But uh, we we even now uh, say to some of our clients, uh, well, if you would not really want to know over the years if your building stays sustainable and energy neutral, for instance, then uh, then you need also uh, introduce technology because then you can measure it. Mm. And also you can stimulate people to switch on their off their lights or that we can bring in optimized uh, systems whereby you know your whole office building for instance if you design an office building where after the last person has been on the floor then the whole light goes off on the floor you know because you, mm. you know if you're moving around in bigger cities i hate to see that always that that then all these lights are still for the whole night yeah, on, you know, right. in all these buildings. It's kind of ridiculous. It's yeah. it's it's something I would say should be in the regulations that this is changed, and there, are, there is technology for that whereby this can be optimized, you know. So uh, so and it costs uh, costs only more money, you know. You will save hundreds of thousands of millions uh, if if the whole city of New York closes their light or pull the lights off after after the last person leaves the building in in the in the office you know so mm -hmm. so so i mean this this so we have many tricks and tools where we can uh, work with in order to make our clients enthusiastic but but of course you need to believe in it or yourself as a client and and uh, that is not always the case of course although i mean i must say that 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 it is radically changing over the last uh, uh, year since COVID. It's really interesting that, that since COVID uh, that we have noticed that that people want more healthier buildings and more sustainable buildings mm. because they see that the green, green buildings will generate in the future more value, mm. luckily enough. It's also kind of buildings that are, that are more flexible in that way kind of making sure that you don't only look at what's in now but what could be what could be in that function mm. you kind of seeing you don't see you, you currently you find a frame for different functions and then things can happen in there and it's also kind of looking what what any kind of function would need and looking beyond just kind of building it for 10 years but the lifespan of the building also something that is not not only on on building level level, but on component level, so you want to maybe want to upgrade bits like you do in a in a computer. You do an upgrade. Maybe you want to do that in buildings as well. It's also mm. breaking that open. It's it's a much wider spectrum of sustainability that you then look at. Did the Dutch yeah. invent the the windmill? Yes. There you go. <laughs> no. 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 Oh. No. No. I, I thought no, no. Not really, because. With well, a very they, well they, use of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's they're all over the place where they were. What a genius piece of machinery, sustainable machinery that yeah. was, right? Way, way. Oh, and when was that? Hundreds of years ago. Incredible. Yeah, but but don't but don't forget in the whole of Europe, like in Greece and uh, and some other parts of Europe, Pain, this yeah. windmill 
and even China, I believe, this this was already uh, around. But 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 your your sound is totally right. I mean, we we were able to make it uh, engineering-wise uh, more powerful and and uh, very, very attractive. These windmills are very beautiful. Ben, um, you also designed some stunning furniture. Um, was that a natural extension? A natural extension of your architecture? Yes, because I, you know, like I told you that that at the Rietveld Art College, I've always been fascinated in the the the, the way how you approach design uh, from an environmental, so from a spatial uh, condition. So so you have design designers who go for the object itself, but I've always liked it to approach a furniture design. Uh, related to the space it stands in, so related to architecture in a way. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and and uh, I picked it up, I think, only maybe uh, so so ten years ago. Again, uh, for a while, I I you know sometimes for clients I designed a special table or a special furniture, mm-hmm. or we applied it in our, some of our interiors. But I. I've always liked uh, furniture design a lot, and, and it just gives you ideas for your buildings later on, or mm-hmm. you know you can experiment with wood, or yeah, mm-hmm. I've liked it. Very cool, um, Sander. You're in Melbourne, as we talked about before. Um, you're recruiting, right? If you can give a bit of a plug, if you need anyone listening in, should I get in touch with you? Yeah, that's definitely what we're we're looking for people that that can can help us ground and, and branch out here in, uh, in Australia to really bring in that, that Aussiness and, and starting to infuse the Dune Studio brand here down under. Fantastic. Well, that'd be great. Um, and um, I'll definitely look forward to catching up with you. If I'm in Melbourne, I'll reach out to you and say hi. What is the future plan for uh, UN Studio? Um, other, because you've got other offices around the world as well. Mm. Yes, we, we, we at the moment are uh, uh, very active in America. We, we are close to setting up an office in LA. Um, we, we are having, yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's a good time for us at the moment. We are expanding and, and, and growing. And I, I, I don't particularly always like it because, uh, you know, you, then you get the growth pain, as we call it always in yeah. our uh, company. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you know about it probably yourself. It's not easy always. But no. but on the other hand, we, we need to we need to take uh, advantage of our position right now because we, we are in a generation mm-hmm. where maybe suddenly yeah, there is awareness that we can, like what you said about high rises. We we have done so many high rises now that you yeah you become a specialist in this field or infrastructural project. You become we do a lot of infrastructural projects. There we became a specialist. So so you have to use these opportunities in the right moment at the right time, uh, at, at the right place. Sorry, and and uh, at the right uh, clients you then select. Mm-hmm for how you grow with, with, with a particular quality, of course, because I just don't want to grow for growth sake no. um, alone, uh, alone. Yeah. But, but, but so we are in, in, uh, in a very exciting phase, but also uh, yeah, in a sort of uh, sensitive phase where we have to be smart on how we expand our practice. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. One last question before you go. Um, and I'll ask you both independently. Uh, Sandra, have you feel like you've designed your life? 
I think I'm I'm with my move to Melbourne. I'm I'm definitely redesigning my life at the moment. Nice. I think it's it it literally asks me to specify for me all the elements that I want in my life, mm. whether it's my my corner gym or the the bedroom facing the north to get some sun in the morning. Mm-hmm. I think this is the is the the exact example of designing your life but also it's full of placeholders which is also part of the design uh methodology always that you have to accept certain points or certain things oh that's a place that's fine for now yeah yeah. we'll we'll rework that later whether it's an ugly chair that you accept to be the (laughs) the the one that you'll in 10 years replace for the for the other one that you want yeah or or other bits in your life so it's definitely i'm very much so designing redesigning my life it's really cool when you move to a new country you have that opportunity to do that literally don't you yeah and ben how about you or has he left (laughs) he's left Um, the building (laughs) (laughs) that's that that would be a nice statement uh uh, giving to you about uh, the design of my life that i just left um (laughs) no but but i i honestly you know, if you would ask me uh, 10 years ago uh, that this and that would happen to you uh, where I stand right now, then I would never be able to predict that. So that is interesting because I'm quite a good predictor. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to my comes down to my personal life, I I, I must say that many interesting things happened uh, to me. <laughs> so over, overcame to uh, overcame me in the years that I um, I became older and and I, I must say that I allow it and I, I accept it and I I like that openness in my uh, call it designed life because I have my rules and I have my system yeah. of how I work. I'm I'm very regular. I, I sport every day. I you know I'm, I'm I, I eat with my family every day, almost every day. Uh-huh. So so it is actually I've I've an I've a very um, uh, in order to keep fit and fresh and and alert and uh, hopefully uh, healthy, I have so my my rules, but 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 I I uh, allow the rules not to dictate. How do you keep fit? What are, what are the what's the sports you do? I run. Okay. I run every day. Okay, cool. And um, uh, yeah, I jog and um, yeah, I do my, all my meetings standing up. So I don't, I mean, if people sit down, if I run and I, I, they're not these meetings, design meetings are for me often not longer than half an hour, Mm -hmm. 20 minutes, half an hour. Mm -hmm. And if the the team wants to sit down and I stand up, (laughs) or I come in and I ask everyone to stand up because I I believe if you stand, then you're much fresher and directer and it's more healthier. You know, I don't like to sit for, for, for 12 hours a day in my chair. So, So all these things I do. Okay, well, that's a good tactic. Damn it, I'm sitting down. I should have been standing up this whole time. Um, no, I'm sitting also. Yeah. Most. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, it's been so cool to uh, catch up with you. We've been watching you from afar, and your work is phenomenal. And so excited to see, you know, you're building uh, South Bank happening in Melbourne. Hopefully see some in Sydney as well, too. So uh, thank you so much for being on Design Your Life. Thank you so much. Thanks for Thanks, inviting Thanks us. For having it was us. really a great talk. Thank you. Thank oh, you so much. Thank you, Bob. Take care. You too. Ciao. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye.
Thanks for listening in to this episode of Design Your Life from Lego to Skyscrapers with the UN Studios, Ben Van Berkel and Sander Basluis. Tune in next week, we'll be catching up with the founder of MIM Design, Miriam Fanning. Thanks for listening to this episode of Design Your Life. If you'd like to find out more about how you can design your life, head to the website at designyourlife.com.au. If you found this episode inspiring, please don't forget to review and subscribe. If you have any ideas or like to get in touch, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at frostcollective.com.au.